seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Right. One, two, three, four, five. Hello, and welcome to the Bynamit Celtic. One, two, three, four, five. Hello and welcome to the Bynamit Celtic Podcast, the daily Bynamit Celtic Podcast. My name is Lawrence Donigan, and I'm joined today by my good pals, Paul Thompson, Remy McSwain. How you doing, Remy? I'm very good, Lawrence. How's yourself? Uh, dodging away. What's your coronavirus diary for Tuesday the 31st? Uh, still watching Ozark. That's about it, really. Uh, fascinating. Paul, what, what are you up to? I know. Brilliant. Well, I... I, I spent the afternoon watching a webinar starring Kevin Clancy. That's how exciting my life is. You're Ke- Kevin Clancy. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Clancy, the referee. Kevin Clancy, the solicitor advocate, who is also a referee. It was he was uh, a webinar on the legal implications of COVID nineteen on businesses. Uh, any relevance to Celtic or football? Or well. There was actually unbelievably Clancy came out with a nugget that was quite quite useful. Remember that conversation we had the other night about the furlough for players that if they gave them individual training programs they wouldn't qualify as being furloughed. Apparently that's bollocks. You're allowed to train. You're not allowed to work when you're on furlough. I.e., they're not allowed to play and they're not allowed to meet in groups. But they would be allowed to train individually. So that I think it was one of the club chairmen. I think Remy had mentioned the other night had said that there was an issue around uh, furlough if, if players were on furlough if they were training at home. But legally, you're on strong ground, so that maybe help some of the clubs. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I've lost the will to live halfway through that, Paul. Um... Uh, <laughs> you didn't have to watch it for an hour and a half. Anyway, listen, we'll crack on. Brilliant guest today. Absolutely. We've stolen him from Harry Brady, just like we steal everyone else. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Schofield. Uh, Kevin, what's your correct title? I, 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 don't want to get, I don't want to undersell you here. Uh, no, no. I'm the editor of politicshome.com, political website. Uh, brilliant. Uh, and formerly of, where else did you work? Uh, Scots, where oh, Everywhere. What place. Uh, oh, that's right. Scotsman, Herald, Daily Record, The Sun. Uh-oh. As well as various local papers and press association all over the shop. But long time uh, Celtic fan, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, here, I suppose we've got you on. Uh, well, we've got you on because you're in, obviously Celtic, uh, Celtic man. Uh, but we're all fascinated. Uh, I don't. Well, you guys see it. It's, it's in the middle of the night for me. But uh, Boris has been doing brilliantly, hasn't he? I mean, you've you see it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> maybe compared to Donald Trump. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, he's managed. He's, he's the only Western leader, I think, to manage to actually catch coronavirus. <laughs> but, uh, oh, sorry, something. Uh, um, uh, so yeah, so he's he's currently uh, Julian Assange in it, uh, living in a single room in Eleven Downing Street quarantined until Friday. We're, we're told he's going to come out on Friday. He'll have done his seven days quarantine and um, apparently he's got mild symptoms and he's still able to, to work. He's, he's chairing cabinet via Skype or Zoom or whatever and um, yeah, apparently he's going to be coming back out into the world on, on, on Friday. The um, 
So how does it work? See when it all kicked off, were you still going to press conferences at Downing Street? Yeah, well, so, I mean, it was quite unusual that for them to agree to have press conferences. Obviously, as journalists, we want to be able to ask them questions as often as possible. And we knew things had got serious when they said that they were going to start having regular <laughs> press conferences. We realised that something was something was definitely up. So, um, so I was at the first two or three, which, you know, already seemed like a lifetime ago because we were all allowed to go in and we were all mingling, sat right next to each other and everything like that, whereas now, obviously, we've all got to keep apart as much as possible. So, um, yeah, as I say, I went to the first two or three and then after that, they started to get a little bit more cautious about how many people they were letting in and how close you could sit next to one another and then for about the past week, I think, they've um, they've done them all via via. Uh, Zoom. So uh, the only people actually physically in the room in 10 Downing Street are a minister, not Boris Johnson at the moment, obviously, uh, with a couple of the medical or scientific people either side. And the questions are then asked remotely by um, by by journalists um, via Zoom on a big on a big TV screen. The uh, so we're in California. We were in, we were put on lockdown very early because uh, Santa Clara, one of the counties nearby to us, was a hot and one of the original hotspots. Um, so that was March the 12th. See, when you were going into Downing Street and you were, you're not thinking this is all about... The general impression is absolute shambles. I mean, up close, is that what it looked like? Or did there seem to be kind of method? In the no, no it, it didn't feel, you didn't feel like you were in, in danger or anything like that. Um it just seemed to all happen very quickly. I mean, it doesn't seem like that long since we were asking questions. Of the, So we have this thing called lobby in the morning where we go along and ask the PM spokesman questions. And maybe tail end of January, start of February, we were asking, you know, what about this coronavirus thing? Are you having any meetings about it? And they're saying, oh, it's a Department of Health thing. The health secretary's in the lead. And Boris Johnson wasn't really having much much to do with it and then maybe middle of February towards the end of February it was like well actually the Prime Minister is now taking more of an interest in it so that's when you first got an an idea that it was starting to become a little bit more maybe a bit closer to home as it was getting really bad in Italy Um, and then it's really just ramped up day by day it's got much you know the what we're two we're one week on now from the, the proper lockdown here then a week before that, it was a sort of semi-lockdown, and then that was when they decided to close the schools um, and encourage people to stay indoors where at all possible. And then it got really, really serious, as I say, about a week ago. So the whole thing is just—it's just almost spun out of control. You know, it went from being something that was happening in China to something that was happening in Italy to oh Jesus, it's ha- it's actually happening here as well now, and we're going to have to do something about it. What, what again? What I'm wondering, uh, I don't know what anybody else, but I mean, it wasn't as if we didn't know what this was about. I mean, as you say, it was happening in China. It was happening. It was even happening closer to home. What stops? What are the what are the mechanisms that stops somebody saying, "Ah, this is insane. Let's get let's get ahead of this." What, what stops that? Is it just? I mean, is it incompetence? Well, or, or no, I don't think it's, it's necessarily incompetence. I think they were they were definitely following the the scientific advice. I mean, that's what the government said all along. You know, we're following the scientific advice, and we had 
try to think that maybe four or five weeks ago now was when it got really serious. We got called into a briefing in Nine Downing Street, which is where we have our morning briefings, and um, the, it was they were publishing their action plan basically on what they were going to do to deal with it. And at that point, it was like, well, so there was four phases. The first phase is a containment phase. So we're basically trying to uh, identify people that have got it and then trace who they've been in touch with, isolate them and try and stop it spreading too far. But then they quickly realised that it was spreading much quicker than they'd anticipated. So then they move into the um, delay phase, which was to try and delay the peak. So basically what, what they were saying was, they don't want the peak to happen too soon because the health service would be overwhelmed because because it being winter, there was already seasonal flu and capacity in the NHS wasn't able to cope with an influx of folk with, with the coronavirus. But again, it was happening so so quickly that they decided, right, we're going to have to bring this plan much, much forward. So what they were trying to do was delay the peak until the summer, which yeah. now seems fanciful really it's already probably two or three weeks maybe away for the peak so they've had to bring forward all their plans for lockdown i mean they they, they weren't really wanting to close schools at, at the beginning they were saying oh closing schools that doesn't really make much difference because um kids aren't really affected by it so you're better having them at school rather than the disruption of closing the schools and parents are having to find childcare and maybe grandparents are having to look after the kids and if the grandparents catch it off the kids then it's obviously much more dangerous for them. So they were they were all along they were being really, really cautious about lock locking the thing down and basically telling folk to stay indoors until eventually it just became obvious that that was the only thing that they could possibly do. Especially looking at Italy, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And they'd and they'd had a lockdown as well for maybe one or two weeks and yet it wasn't really seemed to be making much difference. So, as I say, they followed the scientific advice, and then the scientific advice completely changed. I think when they realised it was moving so quickly, much, much more quickly than they'd anticipated, then that was when they decided to um, push the button on tougher, tougher measures. Here, um, Remy's big hero, political hero, is Dominic Cummings. (laughs) 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 What is he like, Kevin? I mean... It's hard. Well, from um, go on. Well, tell what's he like? Well, I don't. I mean, I I had dealings with him, not very many, but in a sort of previous life, when I worked at the Sun, and he was Michael Gove's special advisor. Michael Gove was education secretary, and you would occasionally get a phone call from him, and he always seemed, and you would see him about the place, and he was always, you know, quite weird, you know, quite eccentric, <laughs> and um, a bit. A bit of a, of a sort of crazy scientist type of thing, you know, a bit of an, an eccentric and a bit of a madman. So it, it doesn't surprise me, you know, if you see what he's like now. But at that stage, you would never ever thought he would end up in Downing Street. That he would end up basically being the most powerful non-elected person in the country. Um, but obviously him and Boris Johnson struck up a relationship during the EU referendum. So that but even then it was a surprise when he came in because... I think folk probably thought that he didn't have the right temperament maybe to be in 10 Downing Street. And, uh, well, I guess you, you could argue that that was perhaps the correct assessment. But, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly a one-off. Here, um, you say the most powerful. So who would be who would he be comparable to? Uh, more powerful than Alistair Campbell at the peak of the Blair years? 
Um, and in terms of influence, probably about the same. I mean, obviously really? Campbell okay. was very influential over Tony Blair, and he was his key his key advisor. So, aye, probably a very different different politics. Aye. Obviously, a very different, different character. But aye, I suppose the same level of the same level of influence. Shall we go deep? Shall we get a, a reference for other kids? Is he more influential than Joe Haynes was on Harold Wilson? <laughs> oh, how about that? that? What's the target Lawrence. age of this podcast? For God's sake, Lawrence. Lawrence, that's Some, even somebody will ask if Joe Haynes was related to Johnny Haynes. Uh, sorry, what you say, Kev? I said that, that that's, that's even before my time. Oh, there you I go. Thought, I thought you were maybe going to say Bernard Dingham. All right, no, well, he was <laughs> Maggie Thatcher, but that was, you know, that even that is pushing it a wee bit. But I've got no recollection of Joe Haynes. No. I, I know who you're talking about, but I couldn't speak to how influential Dominic Cummings is in comparison to him. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough of the. Uh, I think we've all had enough of it here. Uh, have you been following, Kevin? Have you been following the football match? Well, there's been no much no, football. I know follow, that, yeah. but, um, but I, I've been trying. I, I've been missing it. I've been missing it. BT Sport Three has been my lifeline. Uh, it's been shown lots. Joe, in fact, it showed itself to Casey Milan earlier on there. For 2007, um, but uh, yeah, it's all a bit. I've sensed just reading the papers here in London. Um, there's a growing uh, suspicion that the league might be voided, certainly down here, which uh, doesn't really fill me with much uh, joy. I mean, I thought it was more or less being written off in Scotland that that was even a possibility that one 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 way or another it'll either be called or it will be played out later in the year. But the suggestion that it would be voided completely was was uh, far-fetched. But I've certainly been reading it down here that there's more talk that might be what ends up happening. Paul, so I'm, Paul, not, I'm not terribly happy about it. Paul, you're our scanner or obscure football websites. Have you have you seen that one kicking around, that story? Uh, aye, there's, a, there's an article today, and I think it's independent, maybe. Uh, and they're talk, talking about it, and, and it does say a little bit about the clubs that are behind it. Unsurprisingly, are the clubs that we stand to benefit most from it. So the clubs in the bottom half of the league who just want to stay in EPL and and have the money, they reckon that they'll earn more staying in the, the league for another season than they'd have to pay back to, you know, avoiding the the TV deals for a year and that kind of thing. So uh, it seems to be a bit of self interest kicking in. Um, was it not just four clubs? I think they were, I think I saw that same story. Aye. Four. Aye, four, four clubs leading the, 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 the current upswell, but I think it has, as, as Kevin said, it's gone from a kind of ludicrous suggestion a few weeks ago when Karen Brady made it to maybe a few other clubs going, well, you know, think about it. That's not that stupid an idea, but, you know, I, I guess that's the difference between England and Scotland, isn't it? It's, it, it, it's money's important, hugely important in, in both, but you know the scales vastly different. The uh, well, we've kicked us from one end of the country to the other, uh, Kevin. Null and void. What's your view on that? No, but I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm incredibly biased. But I just think you know we're far enough into the season now, and you know the the the, uh, the makeup of the league is so obvious. Celtic are miles in front. The same way that Liverpool are even further in front in England, it would just be. I think it would be ridiculous if you were just to say, right, well, in that case, we're just going to scrap it. Obviously, it would be much more difficult if Rangers hadn't completely blown it after the winter break and the it was still neck and neck at the top of the league. Then, 
obviously that would make it much more a much more difficult decision. But I mean, to me, it seems pretty straightforward. If, if they can't complete the league, then you just have to go with the positions as, as they are right now. I mean, I saw that Ian, Ian Murray, the Labour MP, who's a big Hearts man, even he said, you know, if Hearts get relegated, well, it's because they've, they've been the worst team. So they thoroughly deserve to get relegated. So I think it would be pretty... I mean, it would throw up all sorts of legal complications as well, surely, if you were to um, just say, right, forget that this, that this league even this season even took place and start from scratch next year. I don't know how you would even begin to try and um, iron out the, the legal ramifications of that. Well, luckily we've got one of the world's foremost accountants on this podcast, Kevin. So, uh, Rem, the... Uh... <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... But... So, if, and different financial rules apply though to England, don't they, to Scotland? You know, the, the bottom five clubs or the bottom six clubs in Scotland, I mean, they're not going to make more, or are they going to make more about having to hand back TV monies? Uh, you, you know, the calculation in England is that, say, I'm Norwich, I'd rather null and void a league and stay in the league for next year and make £60 million instead of handing back £55 million to the TV companies for games not played this season. Those rules don't apply in Scotland, do they? They can't. No, I mean, the, you, the, the TV money in, in England is a minimum of a hundred million for a season. Yeah, uh, I think I think our deal Celtic make something like three million on it. So, yeah, the, 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 yeah, there's there's no incentive for the teams in the bottom half of the SPFL to push for null and void. Uh, they they're not. I, Again, I don't know. It's an assertion rather than any knowledge, but there's nothing new there. Um, here, by the way, Rem, on accounts, isn't it the day for the Espanol's uh, accounts? Should they well, not be? It? I, I would have thought so. I, I, I thought you had to have your accounts or your interims with the SFA by uh, March the thirty-first to get get to play in Europe next season. Uh, well, what uh, type? they've always they've always released their their interims before the end of March. Um, it's only nine o'clock. It's time yet. It'll be at eleven forty-nine fifty-nine probably. Here, the other rem is you're our uh, uh, Key Adams correspondent. Any any developments? <laughs> on, on... <laughs> Kevin, this is how bad we we talk about Key Adams on this podcast. That's how desperate we are. <laughs> the uh, so well, what's... I won't I won't I won't hear a word. Again oh, that's right. Adams. Oh, hang on a bit. Oh, you're uh, uh, right. Anyway, so anyway, he's another. He's another... Radio Scotland celebrity. Oh, is he? I mean, um, best mates with Gary Robertson in the morning. But uh, I, I turn, I usually turn off Radio Scotland at nine o'clock because I can't abide Kay Adams. Uh, <laughs> but on, on a Tuesday, I quite like to listen to her uh, very flirtatious trail for Mr. Blue Sky. Um, and it was uh, particularly over the top this morning and I nearly lost my breakfast as she was... Uh, Looking forward to speaking to our resident property guru, Mr. Harry Brady, Mr. Mm. Blue Sky. Unbelievable! That's you're lucky you don't you don't listen to Radio Scotland in the mornings, Kevin. Do you? You got better things. To uh, do. Only, only <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I'm on it. All right. Uh, only if you're on it, you're on it every bloody day. Here, uh, here. Uh, other. Uh, let's move on. Uh, other news, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> You're talking about uh, the null and void thing, uh, or I was talking about it and you were answering it. The uh, Neil Lennon was on Five Live last night. Uh, a couple of things, actually. Uh, uh, 
we'd kind of heard whispers of this at the end of last week. Celtic certainly considering pay cuts of some, certainly for the high earners. Uh, that you got a view on that? It kind of makes perfect sense, doesn't uh, well, it? Yeah, I, mean, I think it makes it makes sense. I mean, when you've got Lionel Messi and the Barcelona players having to take seventy yeah. percent pay cuts, I don't see how I don't see how Celtic can be uh, immune to it, and especially when you know we all know that Peter Lawwell runs a tight ship financially, then. Um, uh, you know, there's just no way that even though we've got all that money in the bank, you, you, you'll quickly burn through it if there's no um, match day revenue coming in for the next God knows how long. So, um, so yeah, it makes sense. I, I think I think the players would would accept it as well. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, the thing was when Hearts announced that they were first out the blocks, obviously, and a lot of folk were were, were criticising them and thinking that they were just using it as an excuse, maybe to. To um, cut their wage bill anyway, but it's quickly, I think, become apparent that every club, regardless of how big they are and how much money they've got in the bank, is going to have to think about this because they've they've got no money coming in. So you know, but they've got very few alternatives. Try and um, cut their costs. The uh, you're not a Spurs fan, are you? Is that in any way, shape, or form, or kind of Spurs? No, my English team's Liverpool. All right. Um, so. Oh. Could be a big year for you, Kevin. That's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this league, be, this season being null and void. It's going to be magic. The uh, <laughs> the other thing, Kevin, that uh, Lennon said, Chris Sutton. I really like. Do you like Chris Sutton, Kevin? Oh, I, I like. I like. Chris he's Sutton. brilliant, isn't he? I do, isn't he? I do like Chris Sutton. Yeah, um, and he's just he's got he's a a good laugh. Uh, the um, Sutton asked Lennon if the roles are reversed if Rangers were 13 points ahead. Uh, would you accept the season being wrapped up and then being given the title? And Lennon, I think I'm paraphrasing here, said, "I, w- I would not accept that, or I, w- I would accept nothing." Um, yeah, it kind of. Well, I mean, it's a kind of hostage to fortune ever so slightly, isn't it? That kind of stuff. Well, it's it's, it's true though, isn't it? If you try to if you try to put yourself in their shoes, you can absolutely understand, and they're still. What, they've got they have nine games still to go and we've got eight, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's still you know, there's still enough points to get so yeah, absolutely you wouldn't you wouldn't give it up. So you can understand why they would try and insist that the league either gets voided or gets played again. I mean personally my my preference would be if it means no starting the league again until August or September, then that's just what has to be done. You know, if, if it means we have to then have a truncated uh twenty twenty one season then well that's just the way it's it's got to be, but uh, that's that's much more preferable for me than just saying right Celtic won it now. Um, that's surely preferable to the, the season being completely written off. Can can you see Kevin? Can you see anything that we can't see? Why why can't they do that? I don't I don't understand. It just seems so logical. I don't know. I mean, I was going to ask. Does this does it come from UEFA or FIFA? Do they events are they the ones that ultimately have to decide that this is what is going to happen? Like the UEFA say this is what's going to happen in every league in Europe. It's just going to have to either be just scrapped or you have to uh, play all your game by the end of June, or you just then and if you can, then you just call it as it is now, or you just say right, let's just play it whenever we can get the league back up and running. I, I don't know. It's not it's not in the gift of individual leagues. To decide what happens, is it? Or, well, or I've got no idea. Well, we've got a resident alphabeti spaghetti expert, UEFA, FIFA. He knows it all. Paul, what's the answer there? It, 
well, probably a two part. First, first cop out answer is we might find out tomorrow because the, obviously the big UEFA meeting with the fifty five federations is happening tomorrow. But what was interesting, I think on maybe on Friday or Saturday, UEFA were you know putting word out that all they were really interested in, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but what they really cared about was the leagues nominating their European representatives for next year. So they were more or less saying off the record, well, we don't really care how you finish your league, but you need to tell us by a certain day to be determined who's going to be in the Champions League and who's going to be in the Europa League next year. So that's probably their main consideration. I, I would guess, as we talked about right at the start of this thing a few weeks ago, they would want some degree of consistency because if you do get a ludicrous situation where one league goes one way, the league across the border goes another way and the league across the border for that goes a completely different way. You know, it, it's going to really detract the legitimacy of the Champions League and the European League next, uh, Europa League next year. But I, I think we might find out something after tomorrow, but whether it'll be as simple as them saying, look, it's all going to be this way. Because even when you hear the leagues talking, none of the leagues are agreeing. There's clubs in Spain want it done one way, there's clubs in Italy want it done another way. And, and as we've already talked about England and Scotland, can't quite seem to make their mind up. What would you... Uh, one Rangers fan said to me, a good guy, said to me, oh, this is our... Uh, if you've got the league, that'll be our Sevco. We'll just throw that in your face forevermore. How do you... <laughs> a, does that bother you? And B, how would you deal with it? My suggestion is to just use as many asterisks as, as you can. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, what's, the, what's the way to handle it? It's a, it's a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely, David they would do that and I can understand why they would do that um, and it would definitely leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth that's, that's what I mean when I say I would much rather yeah. we played the league regardless of how long it takes um, even if it's like towards the tail end of the year you'd much rather just finish the season and then you've won it fair and square and Celtic are going to win it I mean I, I don't think there's any doubt about that but it's they've won it you know they've played the full uh, allocation of games and then if it means in next season you're only playing each other twice, so there's only what ninety what, what I can't even off the top of my head what, what that would be, but um at least then at the start of the season you would then know it's a truncated season and then everyone would know where they stand. Um but I think to call it and for Celtic to win, okay, that's better than voiding it completely. But it would still yeah, they would obviously always call that up and say it wasn't a proper league win what have you and you, and you want to avoid that if you possibly can the um, yeah we, we've we've batted that around uh, well hopefully I think you're dead right by the way Kip you're a I'm not blowing blowing you up here but you've been in this world kind of high level politics PR whatever <laughs> no seriously no no I mean, you're not like us three suckers yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, see this the Spurs thing today. Did I get? Did I get this right, Ray? What did they do? Because uh, well, they've, they've, they've put their they've put everybody in furlough. Well, they're sort of all their admin, all their non-playing staff has effectively gone in furlough. So they're going to get paid by the government sort of revenue protection scheme, but they've kept all their players on their wages, and I and I think that is a, a PR disaster. Right. Yeah. Um, why? Why would I mean? You could even uh, Harry Kane. Even if he dropped Harry Kane ten grand a week for two months, he could pay most of the cleaners' wages. It's an absolute joke. It is. It is an absolute disgrace. And 
that was not what the government had in mind, I'm sure, when they set up this scheme, was that uh, businesses which get multi-multi-million pound payouts from broadcasters would basically use it as an excuse to slash their wage bill and get the government to pick up the tab. I mean, absolutely an un- unbelievable decision. And you're right, I mean, if you've got guys like, like the, the, the wages that the players are on, they could easily take a 50% pay cut and they wouldn't really notice it for four or five months. And yet they would be comfortably cover the wages of uh, the non-playing staff. It's just unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Did you, see the, uh, did you see the chief exec's pay for last year was disclosed? Aye. And uh, Aye. I think Mr Lowell might be now saying that Spurs is the only club he's wanted the chief exec for. Because <laughs> uh, Le- Levy trousered seven million last year. Plus a bonus, wasn't it? Or was that, uh, that, was, that was including his three million bonus Here, for delivering the stadium two years oh, later. Um, so my question before the start of the show interrupted there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, right. You're fair dishing out the insults tonight, know. you know. Well, somebody said I was good on the podcast. Yeah, the first compliment somebody ever paid me yesterday on the Twitter feed. I don't know Maggie Listen, She does know that's for sure. Uh, what kind of thinking? What is the thinking there? Can you possibly look into the mind of somebody at Spurs and how could they have reached a conclusion that oh, well, that'll be all right? I mean, it's so patently not all right. What is it, Kevin? It absolutely defies belief. I mean, they're obviously they were having a bad season, and that stadium has cost them an absolute fortune and they need Champions League football every season to uh, help pay for it and they've obviously just saw this as an opportunity to save some money that they're not going to get into the Champions League there's going to be a massive shortfall in their income even before the coronavirus struck so this is now just where they've realised well look we're, we're as entitled to sign up to this government scheme as any other business so we might as well just take advantage of it but you know for them to decide to be the first ones the first club as far as I can tell and the first Premier League club certainly to say right we're going to sign up to this um, well, believe so, it or not Kevin believe it or not Newcastle did it yesterday but uh, you <laughs> would right, expect no. that way Ashley <laughs> there's, a, there's a shock um, you know well, that, well, they're in fantastic company then aren't they um, yeah it, it is uh, yeah uh, absolutely beggars. We've, and, as, and as you say as well, Remy, you know, at the same time that the chief executive, I mean, he could forego his bonus, surely, and that would um, cover uh, the wages of the non-playing staff as well, surely, three million quid, certainly for a, for a reasonable length of time. Um, just It just looks so, so bad. It's awful. But, but in terms of straight business sense, it's a devastating piece of PR. I mean, it has yeah. to have long-term consequences, you know, damaging consequences that will hurt, ultimately hurt the bottom line. It just doesn't Well, you've got it... to imagine, you've got to imagine if they've got, like, decent PR people, they'll have said that to them, and they've probably just been over overruled by Levy. Right. I would have thought. Because there's no, there's no way that you can possibly package that and sell it as a positive story for Spurs. I mean, it's anything but. Um, anyway, um, shocking stuff. Um... Paul, can you, uh, again, you're great at finding this stuff. There's been a bunch of pay cut stuff kicking around as well, hasn't there, today? 
Who's all taking papers? Yeah, I, I've no idea why you looked at it today, Lawrence, to be honest, but no. the two that kind of struck my eyes were the, the Newcastle one and the, and the, the Remy mentioned. And the, I think uh, in terms of the SFA, the, there's been a few pay cuts in Scotland, the SFA and the SPFL, uh, which is, you know, uh, probably overpaid in the first place, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But I think Maxwell and Doncaster and Rod Petrie, I, I actually stuck by the fact that Rod Petrie actually gets a salary. Amazing. Which is quite quite stunning, uh, and I think to be fair, the the two national managers, Clark and uh, Shelley Kerr, have, have chipped in as well. So, yeah, I suppose a gesture there. But again, I wouldn't imagine any of them are on, you know, monstrous amounts of cash. Certainly no no levy style cash. But you know, I suppose it's the it's the gesture that counts, isn't it? Well, it's a, they want to be seen to be leading for the front. Well, it's a, and it's also. A... You know, there is a PR value to that, at least. I mean, you, at least you're saying we are we are with you or, you know, we care, we understand that there's, that these are, uh, yeah. it's just, I mean, the Spurs thing is just mind-blowing. Um, the other thing is uh, UEFA, speaking of UEFA, we're always thinking about these UEFA meetings, Paul. We say this every three, oh, there's a UEFA meeting tomorrow and everything will all be sorted. The only, Kevin, the only two sources we trust are these UEFA meetings and Harry's, Harry Brady's predictions. <laughs> That's because Harry goes to the UEFA means. <laughs> what's what's uh, you got some UEFA? Uh, as a spaghetti alphabetic correspondent, Paul, what's uh, UEFA bullshit today? Uh, I think it's all about tomorrow. Uh, t- in terms of, terms of today, no, it's, it's... Uh, go on. Oh, right. Sorry, not am I. I'm, no, no, I'm you, were, you were going on about before. Uh, uh, some some fight there were some fines or something kicking out, kicking around. Oh, sorry, I got it's, it's been a long day. Uh, yeah, uh, we've been fined five thousand odd euro for for being a minute late out the tunnel in the, the Copenhagen away game, uh, and the the Huns got fined. Sorry, we got fined fifteen thousand euro, and the Huns got fined five thousand for one of the fans throwing a glass bottle at uh, the Leverkusen player. So that's quite an interesting. Standard that UEFA upset again. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? That's just I should tell. That's, I, I, somebody's uh, a guy, a terminal boy, a guy on Twitter that, that I follow. He made a really great point that says, "What does it look like for UEFA to be finding any club at the moment when clubs are you know literally going to the wall? We've just spent twenty minutes talking about the financial apocalypse that football's facing." And UEFA are sticking out 15, 20 grand fines to clubs right in the middle of that. Talk about detached from reality. It's uh, it's amazing, isn't it, Kev? They're just they're... well, there's just no there's no consistency to it, is there? I mean, they just make up as they go along with the sounds of things. I mean, but we've seen it before with the with the racism stuff as well. You know, the paltry fines that they chuck out for um, for fans making racist chants or racist noises or whatever, and and but the, but they leap on. Uh, paltry things like being a late, a minute late for coming out the dress. I mean, it's just utterly farcical. I was at that game. I never noticed they were a minute late. Here at the other uh, thing we've been banging on, Ke- uh, Kevin. I don't know if you follow is uh, Celtic social media output. Uh, do you follow Celtic on Instagram? You obviously follow him on Twitter. I mean, well, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, it's you can see. I think all the all the all the football clubs are really struggling at the minute because oh, there's aye. no football. There's, Scraping the barrel with all sorts of garbage quizzes and the odd. I mean, yeah, it's not. Although I thought actually the one earlier today I saw was um, they put out one 
it was at this at this precise moment this time last year, uh, French Eddie did this and it, it was his goal against Rangers um at Parkhead when we beat them two one. Um which I thought was quite was 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 pretty good. I, I throw back to happier times when we could all um stand next to each other and not think we're gonna catch the plague. The uh, the one it wasn't a club one, but some boy had done a compilation of Dembele. Did you see that one, Kev? I, oh. I, I saw it earlier on tonight. I was that not Tam Tam Selleck's son? Is that right? Is that who, the boy? Who was it, Paul? Did you notice? I, I think it was. I, I, that wasn't the one that had Coldplay on it, was it? It was. It had Coldplay on it. Oh, I, I had to put it off. Aye. <laughs> apart, apart, apart from the soundtrack, it was good. <laughs> Paul's the twin, uh, yeah, Harps and Coldplay. <laughs> That's the twin <laughs> evils in Paul's life. But he, here, uh, uh, well, the, th- the thing, just Dembele was amazing. Dembele or Edward, Kevin? Oh, Jesus, what, to make I a know, choice? I know, but well. Bloody hell. I mean, for, instinctively, I would say Dembele, but I think Edward potentially could go on to be a far better player than Dembele. But Dembele was, to me, was iconic. I thought he was just different class. He was brilliant. I, I don't know how old was, Does anybody know how old he was when he left Dembele? Was he... Oh, he's still a young man, I think, is he not? 22, 23. Oh, he's still a young man. Yeah, but, yeah. no, but I'm just, you know, the comparison, you were saying, oh, Edward could go on. But I think Edward's probably the same age now as Dembele was when he left. I mean... I, I thought Edward seemed to be like a more kind of slow burn, you know, he was raw and he developed and obviously has become a fantastic player, whereas Dembele just seemed more just for the very beginning as a player I thought, anyway um, yeah. but he he, I mean, he should be in the Premier League to me, for, for me anyway, I think he'd be sensational in the Premier League. Who, uh, Dembele, or both of them I guess, well you don't want Well, both of them really, but Dembele definitely, you know Dembele, I think that seems to be logically the next move for him would be somewhere but in England, I think he'd be he'd be amazing. Well, he's not Ollie McBurney. That's the only thing. <laughs> I just I just hope that Edward, you know, that it, well, it's not the last we've seen of Edward. You know, that's, you start to think of things like that. If the season, if this season's like well gone until whenever August or whatever, does I don't know what happens then. I know he's still contracted with Celtic, but you know the expectations certainly had been that we would probably end up having to sell him in the summer. Um, does he hang around next year? Or I don't know. I mean, I hope so. Obviously, I would hate to think that it was the last we've seen him. That's the whole thing, though. This this just throws everything up in the air. Uh, players' wages, uh, transfer fees, you know, contracts. Con- players' contracts run out at the end of May or end of June. Then, then what happens then? Um. Oh, such a such a mess. Thankfully, thankfully, we're here, Remy, to bring some clarity to to everything. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I, I will say that the Twitter uh, feed that put it out was at Adam Lunch twenty seven. Well, the Dembele video, great video, appalling music. I, I, I have to say, I, I noticed that Dembele retweeted it. Uh, yeah, he yeah. did. I say, I think Dembele. If you remember his last few months at, at, at Celtic, he was he was half arsed it for the last couple of months. But he seems to love us more now that he's away. Have you anybody else noticed that? I I think I it's, a, it's a sort of it's a, it's a it's a get it right up you to Brendan Rodgers, isn't it? I think he uh, 
he, he likes. I think he realizes that Brendan Rodgers is roundly despised now by the Celtic supporters, and he likes to kind of play up to what a big Celtic man he is, just to wind up Brendan Rodgers. I think. Uh, so I'm guessing Dembele won't be going to Leicester. Um, <laughs> the uh, one more thing. Uh, I think that uh, I'll come to you. I, I wanted. To, I want to get uh, actually, Paul. What's the um, what's the state of play on the old uh, fundraiser? Uh, as of tonight, we are at just under four and a half grand. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, and uh, I think we said we'd run it to the end of the week. And I put a, a tweet out earlier to that effect. So we've had a, a wee flurry tonight, but uh, it's just amazing. And so I got another text with Tony today. He's obviously been, been watching it uh, with interest and, and absolutely delighted with where we, we've got to it. So he's going to chat to us about it on Friday. Uh, four and a half grand. What a fortnight we're going to have in Tori Molinas. You coming, Kev? <laughs> as soon as as soon as the lockdown lifts, I'll be there. No, that is that is a phenomenal. Uh, thanks very much to everybody who has um, who has donated. Uh, if you've got, again, we're not pushing it hard. Oh, we might we might go hard. We put the full court press on this week, Paul. Last couple of days. I lost- uh, two, two tweets a day and I'm tweeting off my personal account about it as well so I, we're, we're trying to get it over the line so. Uh, so we're trying to get to five grand um, so that would be great uh, if you, you'll find the link on the uh, the Twitter page um, so really good any big donations Ren? have you seen any any yeah there's been a there's been a there's been two absolutely whopping donations but it's not really fair to oh, single right. out, to be honest, because it all uh, it all adds up to a, a brilliant number, and I'm I'm astonished and overwhelmed and absolutely chuffed we've managed to raise this much so far. It's uh, it's unbelievable, fantastic, uh, and uh, just uh, we will not be going. Uh, that's uh, and we will always be free. I think we won't be asking anybody for any money after this. But uh, so if you can see your way to throwing a couple of quid in the bucket, that would be awesome. Uh, Last thing, any other business? He's noticed anything, Kev? What about uh, Jim McCall coming to Rangers? Buying Rangers? You ever met Jim McCall in your travels? <laughs> no, I've never met no, I, I wouldn't know Jim McCall if I pass him in the street. Um, I just I picked up some stuff about uh, Liverpool or something and then he admitted he'd misread an email. Is that right? <laughs> he, sounds like, he sounds like just the man they need. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't a Nigerian prince you didn't even know have you Tim McCall have you, have you come across him Rem in the world of finance no uh, oh, I, know, I know who he is uh, but uh, I think they'd be better getting George Barron to, to run them for, for <laughs> uh, one for the teenagers sorry Paul I nicked your joke there <laughs> I was just lining up. I thought he was an Aberdeen fan, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he's come across as an absolute dumpling over the last couple of days, and uh, his last business venture um, was a bit of a disaster, anyway. What um, was that? In the government, uh, Ferguson Shipyard, which uh, the Scottish government's had to nationalise because of the rip roaring arse they were making a building a couple of ferries for Calmac. And that's not Callum McGregor, uh, Lawrence. So um, it's uh, he's he, he's been kicked out of there. So 
he, he, he's at, if you read his uh, thing with Jackson today, it was it was basically a uh, I'll look at it when the the world settled down again, which is basically no, I won't be going anywhere near it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what what was the what was your joke? Was that a Beats Grove Garden reference from Remy? Uh, it was Jim and George for the original series. It's Carol now, but you know we're we're old school. We're Celtic Daz. Bloody right. Used to, used to be on a, on a Friday night, if I remember correctly. Correct. Correct. Top of the pops. <laughs> oh, this is brutal. Right, we're going to wrap this. Hey, hey Kevin. By the way, I, I've been talking. What about the? Uh, I think a couple of people have come out of this really well. The Aberdeen chair is it Dave Cormack? I think he's uh, yeah. he's done really well, hasn't he? Ah, he's spoken a lot of sense, I think. Um, and you feel I, I personally feel a bit, a bit sorry for clubs that actually run themselves right and keep a bit of money in the bank. And I've just had the legs completely yeah. off, you know, because of this. Um, so uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, what it what it means for Rangers, God only knows. I mean, they were already in a hell of a state. Uh, so what? I mean, how how they're going to get get through this? I mean, they, they were needing ten million quid just to survive the season, weren't they? Before this, so um, I don't know where that money's coming from. Uh, that's one of the one of the great mysteries. Uh, anyway, here we'll we'll wrap it there. Uh, Kevin, uh, good to good to have you on, pal. That good stuff about. Thank you. Uh, it's always uh, interesting the whole Westminster thing. Uh, how long have you been there? I've been uh, twelve years, oh two thousand and eight. A long, long time. A veteran. A veteran. Uh, you're not. The, you've never been the chairman of the lobby or anything like that, have you? No, it's 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 never really appealed to me, to be honest. Is that right? Anyway, that's kind of that's kind of dying. It's thing. far too much like hard work. Uh, a lot of people working all that. Yep. Um, anyway, listen. Uh, good to have you on, Kev. All the best, pal. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes, Lawrence. Rem. Speak to you tomorrow. Paul. Paul. I'll, I'll speak to you tomorrow, guys. I'm looking forward to, to catching up.